Hey, I'm Ginger. And I'm Don Zell. And you're listening to Misplaced Life. We'll be exploring the many ways in which our lives often feel misplaced. From emotions to... Ex- okay, stop. Rewind. Reset. It's time to get real, Donzel. I agree. We do not need <laughs> the after-school special. It's so after-school special. Like, let's like put some popcorn and popsicles together. Let's just talk about how we can just all get along and be happy. And we're going to talk about how we're misplaced and we're getting back on track. Uh-huh. Now, at this point, we are... Falling off, off the, the cliff. Rails, yes. off the cliff. We are Thelma we, and Louise in the car. Although it's a white middle-aged girl and a black gay, black gay not so middle-aged man. We are like the next Thelma and Louise. We should do. We, a, we should do a remake of that movie. Oh, girl, I'd be awful. Let's get Let's real. Stop dancing around our problems as a society. Let's rip the band-aid off. Yeah, and to be fair to ourselves, that was the trailer we recorded. In February, when we thought when, we were going to roll this out. Before the world plunged yeah. into darkness and despair. Yeah. So we went, in, went down into the abyss of death. Before anyway. 2020 said, um, <laughs> hold on tight, y'all. Hold on tight, people. All kidding aside, though, we are definitely going to talk about a lot of ways that we, you and I are similar and that as people, we're all very similar. And we're also going to talk a lot about our differences. Mm-hmm. And it really is about the journey. We're going to dig deep. We're going to keep talking. But at the end of the day, you know, no matter what steps you take, if you feel like you're in the wrong place, and right now this country is so in the wrong place, but this country is living the right life. We're living the right life because it is a necessary monumental shift that all of us are responsible. Yes. Living the right life. Now we just need to start taking the right steps. Taking the right steps. Absolutely. And we went back to after school special at the end. I know. I need popsicles and popcorn. Girl, let's just say we're going to get real. Some of these talks are going to be hard hitting. They're going to be uncomfortable. We're going to call out racism. Anything else you want to add, Mr. Mad Feisty person over there who doesn't like after school specials? I hope that all the Karens in the world are listening. (laughs) Anyway, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, not so positive things happening in the world. Here we are. It's June 26th. June 26th. June 26th, yes. And we recorded our first episode in mid-February. Early February-ish. So we were getting ready to rock and roll in March. And we were rocking and we were getting ready to roll. We were rocking, <laughs> getting ready to roll, getting ready to roll this podcast out. And then, you know, um, as we are going to be calling it, the, the perfect storm kind of happened. I have no words because that's the best way to describe it. We are now rocking and getting ready to roll again. Yes. In the midst of uh, a lot of upheaval in our country. And as sad and angry as I am for the circumstances, I'm also really motivated, encouraged, excited would be kind of a hard word to use because then I would be excited about what's been going on. But I'm excited about that it was such a necessary thing. Yeah. As you know, you and I had... Well, you honestly had kind of either not predicted, but you knew at some point this was going to happen. I don't think either one of us knew that it was going to happen when it did. Yeah, I definitely did not know when it would happen. I wish I did because then I would make some money as a psychic and say, hey. They make good (laughs) money. They make good money. I'll tell you what's happening. I think they make more than podcasters. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I. I've sadly felt this brewing within our society for a while because our society 
is so divided right now. And no matter, I don't care what your political affiliation is, you cannot deny that the person in office is not doing anything. The person in office of the president, he's not doing anything Wait, he's to a president? bring... Girl, not to me. <laughs> Sorry. That's why I said the person in office of the president. Uh, but he's not doing anything to bring unity to the country. And he is only helping to continue to spread it further apart. And whether you are a Republican, Democrat, or anything else, yes, there are other leaders who are also not helping. But when you are number one, you are the number one leader. You are the leader. You're supposed to be. You're supposed to be. And there is no evidence that anyone can give me that says he is doing everything he can to unify us. He's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. No. And so there's so much bit that has been percolating under the this, this surface on all types of issues and on both sides that I genuinely believe if you did not know that our country was headed to an uprising, you have been painfully asleep. But you know now. You know now. I mean, if you don't know now... You must be dead and buried in a grave somewhere because, you know, you can't escape it. And that's a good thing. However many episodes of these things that we do, it seems to be a conversation that we never seem to be, be able to get enough of um, just on a personal level. So we're going to roll back time a little. We're going to talk about some of the things that led, that you feel and I feel led us to where we are now. But I think, it, I think a lot of what we discussed and what we each had to say were really valid, um, and I think they're still valid. And so we're going to launch this as a, a little bit of a, a, a trilogy. We're going to launch a trilogy. <laughs> Did you like my accent? Not one, not two, but three. Three. It's going to be called the, the Perfect Storm. Yeah. That's it. Here we go. Let's go. We're really rocking and rolling now. All right. I wish I had some like heavy metal to like play on guitar or something, because it's kind of cool. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. I don't <laughs> listen to heavy metal, but I trust that you'll choose a good song. Oh, we'll talk about music one day. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's been an intense spring. Yes. It all happened at the end of winter, beginning of spring. And here we are into summer. Right. That was an entire season. And it hasn't even ended. All of the stuff that's happening in the world. It's still going on. It's still going on. Yeah. Like 2020. 2020. Making a statement. Welcome to a new decade. Welcome to the fucking end of the world. <laughs> end of the world as we know it. I agree. I think that I think that's a great thing to say, actually. I think that's a great way to put it. Welcome to the end of the world. End of the world into how we used to see each other, how we used to think about things, what we were aware of, what we were not aware of, what we felt were our responsibilities, what are not our responsibilities. And I do think 2020 is putting an end to the world, but I think more so it's metaphorically because we're having a shift in thoughts and attitudes and perspectives and humanity. But that's the point, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, Corona Miss, came into our world. Miss Rona said, Miss hello, Rona's, I'm making an entrance. Miss Rona said, hey, y'all, not so fast. She is definitely making a stink in the entire world. And it's been an intense past few months. But the reality of... That's not the biggest disease, though. Let's, that's not the biggest disease. Yeah. 
and it she set the stage to reveal a pandemic of hate in our country and it is so prevalent and so ingrained in the fabric of our society that many people realized its existence a few weeks ago. Yes. And that itself is hard because you have a ton of people who've been saying for years, we have a systemic problem. We don't have an isolated problem. We don't have a city problem. We don't have a state problem. We don't have a neighborhood problem. We don't have a person problem. We have a systemic problem. And so many people for decades and generations refused to believe that we had a systemic problem. Absolutely. It's interesting because I feel like the coronavirus was almost like the preview. I think it brought out some crazy, crazy differences. I mean, at least in this country, politically. And, you know, we've had quite a few discussions about people fighting for their quote unquote rights to wear a mask versus people's begging and pleading to actually just do what's right for the greater good to protect the lives of the masses versus protecting your ridiculous right to be able to wear your fucking mask. Karen, God, there's a lot of care. Or to not wear your mask. Or to not wear your mask. I'm sorry, to not wear wear your mask. mask. Oops, sorry. I was in line today with a Karen behind me. Again, I mean, Karen, don't you feel bad for women who are named Karen? I don't think she was really (laughs) named. I do. I'm Judge Kelly. We changed my name. I know. And, you know, and I, 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 she was a genuine Karen. I don't, I don't know if her name was Karen. I did not want to ask her name, but, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. One of my favorite places is Home Goods, and they reopened on Thursday. Woodwick Candles. Woodwick <laughs> Candles. I do know from yes. that place. Um, I wasn't at Home Goods this morning. I was at another store. I was at Marshall's. And did they, they have the Woodwick candles? They did not. Okay, sorry. Um, go ahead. But they were they had a line, you know, they're monitoring how many people go in and out of the store and me and four other people are in line minding our own six feet apart business and up walks my Karen stands right next to me. Not even behind me. Clearly red tape Karen is right in front of you. And did you say something? I didn't get a chance to because the minute I made a glance at eye contact, here comes the, this is ridiculous. I mean, we don't, do you really think there's 133 people in that store? They're only letting 133 people in at a time. Do you think there's 150,000 people dead, bitch? Sorry. Ooh, go ahead. Yeah, that's, if I had a breath into the space to say, it would have been great to say that. But she went on and on about being, being ridiculous and how they should have never shut the whole stores down and, you know, they're wasting people's time and she is a full on just like I want to talk to the manager Karen and the hilarious thing is the guy who was monitoring this the line was the store manager so by the time she got up to the front of the line because she was right behind me so we both are at the front of the line she looks at him you people you I know yes she did say you people uh and he was he was a brown man uh, now are I, you serious? I'm dead serious. Okay, now, so that oh, wow. Okay, it's like let's just kill two birds with one stone. Let's be like deafness. a total fucking like idiot, yes. COVID idiot slash racist all at the same time. It's the tone deafness. Like I, I genuinely hearing her knew that when she said "you people," she was meaning the store, but the tone deafness of her not being aware of her as a white woman saying to a brown man "you people." 
and not even looking at his name tag that has his name and also says store manager on it. Do I think in that moment that she was genuinely saying you people in a negative way about his people? No. Do I think she meant it about the store? Yes. But is it a more underlying problem that she couldn't look at this brown man and his entirety and read the name tag that was on his shirt and call him by his name and call the quote unquote people just say Marshall's the company or the uh, the store itself? Do I think that's a true problem? Yes, because I don't even think she if you called it out to her and said, hey, you know, that's a little tone deaf and a microaggression. And it's kind of a trigger when someone who is white says to a person of color, you people, even mm-hmm. when you don't know right. when you mean it to not even be like that. Right. It's it had that that carries so much weight to it. So just call him and us and everyone else by our names. She wouldn't have known that she was being offensive in that moment. She wouldn't have known how that sounded. And that speaks to the systemic part of it. Mm-hmm. That speaks to there's so much stuff that's underneath. But all these things that are underneath have also been said. Mm-hmm. People of color for years have said it's really offensive to us when you say you people. Even when you just are talking about like if you're talking about me and my band. Mm-hmm. Because there was a time mm-hmm. when white Americans would say you people and mean it in a demeaning way. What if I said you guys? It's totally different. It's different. It's totally different. I'm just checking because I say you guys all the time. Again, but you guys, white girl asking the the question because I don't know. I'm here to learn. But the connotation and the history behind you you guys or you guys is is different. Exactly. Okay. It's all about the history. And that's, and unfortunately, that's why we're in the situation that we're in is because a lot of white America does not know or does not want to embrace the fullness of the history of this country. Right. They want to embrace the good. They don't want to embrace the bad. They want to even embrace, you know, the civil rights movement and that we've had change, but they don't want to embrace the segregation that came after it and how destructive that was. They don't want to embrace that. Yes, we had the civil rights movement, but it wasn't taken care of in one March. Right. It was a years, years of a long process. Mm-hmm. And within those years of a long process, a lot of trauma and damage was done. And so what you have now in the heat of a nation divided among race is a bunch of people waking up and saying, oh, I realize that you're right. There is a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because one half of me. And I can't, of course, let's get this right now. Everyone who's listening, remember, you're one black friend or you're two black friends. We don't speak for the entire race. We have a collective understanding of a lot of pain and trauma and growth and healing. But we have to end the idea of we speak for the entire race, which ends up happening, right? Yeah. We end up saying, well, there's one black guy that I know said that da 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 So that means that all black people have to think like that, right? Yeah. Um, but I'll say that there's a lot of 
common agreements that we have. <laughs> There's, we don't. You think? I'm, you know, I'm not speaking for <laughs> everyone, but I'm I just saying know. that like, I'm pretty sure most of all of us would be like, you, yeah, he might. If you've been on a computer, a television, <laughs> if you've actually been awake in this world yeah. for the last couple of weeks, um, and not to get too far off topic because it is the topic yeah. um, that we're all living right now, not just talking yeah. about. But I just, I, I wanted to just kind of say that we did start this this uh, podcast a few months ago with the intention of talking about our differences in terms of you and yes. me being very different, quote unquote, on paper yeah. from a, a race, uh, a gender, a generation, yeah, a lot, a lot of things, a lot of things. And the whole point of this podcast was, was for us to get together and talk about how, you know, we have similarities and we have differences and as people meaning not you people, meaning us people as human beings on this planet, all go through moments in life, times, eras, centuries, whatever that may be, where we feel misplaced, like we're just not where we're supposed to be. And your and, and, my, and my goal in all of this is to make those people, those people meaning our audience, <laughs> <laughs> you being all careful. I mean, sorry, like I'm people. tiptoeing around, yeah. but I mean, but listen, that's a, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> funny, but it's, it's a good thing. It's a good fucking thing that I think about and I choose my words more carefully yes. now than I did a month ago. Yes. That is a good thing. But, um, but you know, it's just, we, our, our original idea was to talk about all different kinds of things and, yes. and yes, racism and our roots and, you know, what we saw going on in this country or globally for that matter um, and how, who we are and, and the discussions. Yeah. And it was kind of like a, a an overarching, uh, that was a part of the overarching idea of what our podcast was going to be and is going to be. But in the midst of all that, two major things happen. One major, one massive, well, majorly massive. What's that? Three. Three, okay. That's part of the challenge. Yes. I was referring to just the... COVID and the escalation of the Black Lives Matter movement as a whole, not just the specific tragedies that happened, but yes. You know, we had Ahmaud Aubrey. Well, we had COVID. Then yeah, COVID. COVID so, so there's that. We have COVID yeah. that shakes up the entire world. And then you have Ahmaud Aubrey that shakes up the African-American community. And you have Breonna Taylor that shakes up the African-American community. And you have George Floyd that shakes up the entire world. Finally. And there's a lot of hurt there that for many people it took a video of seeing a man have his knee on another man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And we watch racism kill in front of our very eyes. And it hurts that it took this long a worldwide pandemic and a whole bunch of other situations to make people wake up. And then it took an eight minute and 46 second video to make people wake up. Right. But then at the other side of that, I'm glad people finally woke up. I mean, and I think, you know, as you and I started working together officially on this podcast and our conversations, I want people to hear those not to validate us or validate us and saying like, yeah, we knew or we saw this or Donzel said it in this podcast or whatever. It's not about that. But what I think is interesting is the timing of our conversations and how all of a sudden 
with one incident, and I'm talking about George Floyd, everything that you had been saying and we had been talking about and where I came from and the perception of the people that I know. And there are people that I love very dearly. I hate a lot of the things that they stand for and that they believe in. And I've had my own internal struggles, trust me, about reconciling that within myself. They are your family. And I know it's very easy to say, call them out. You can call them out. But you also have to understand, and I know that you have said at some point, when it comes to like disagreeing with your friends, whatever, there is a line in the sand when it comes to racism. I get that, and I believe that. But when it's your family, and that family lives across the country from you, and you only see them once or twice a year, when that family is elderly, and you're not sure how much time you have left with them, and how much time they have left with you and your children— It's hard. And sometimes you have to make the choice. Well, I made the choice. I'll own this. I made the choice that I'm going to spend what time I have left with that family, having good times together, talking about memories, and loving each other as much as we can. That's not to say that I'm silent. That's not to say that I don't express my opinions, my thoughts, my viewpoints. I know who I am. I know who my children are. I know what we believe individually and as a family, but I also am realistic in knowing that I'm not going to change the opinions of some of these people that I love very much who have wonderful, awesome qualities about them. And I think sometimes people think that somebody who's a racist or somebody who has racist opinions are evil people. Those opinions are evil But that doesn't mean that some people who think that way are not loving and amazing people in so many other ways. But I also choose not to spend my energy trying to change something that I know is not going to change. I'll spend my time elsewhere in other ways of outreach and conversation where I do think that I can make a difference. That may not be the popular politically correct answer, but that's my truth. And I own that. I saw something that somebody posted or sent to me not too long ago, and it was about don't waste your time trying to change your uncle whatever about this. And I was thinking about that, and she sent it to me. She's like, this is reminding me of the conversations that you were having with your family. It kind of struck home in the sense I was thinking about it, and we're not going to change the cause. We are not going to change the thinking of people who are unwilling to change what they think about Black people the history of this country, their rights and healthcare, like all these things that have transpired in the last few months, we are not going to change the cause of their thinking. But what we can change and where I feel like we need to focus is we can change the effect. We we can't change their behavior. We can't change what they do, but we can change the effect that it will have on this fucking society. We can't change fucking racist cops but we can certainly change the consequences, right, of their actions. We can't change, I can't change what they think, but I can change the people that are in office who may, I pray to God, change the fucking structure of politics and healthcare and all of these other things that people are affected by globally for that matter. But right now I'm talking about in this country. So there's that balance of like, where do I focus my efforts? Where do I spend my time? I agree and, and and I disagree because it's not about changing the effects either. It's about eradicating the system. And that's how we are still in the way, this, how we're at this point that we are now. You can't change the consequences 
of racist cops. You have to eradicate the idea of cops in general. Because the way that the police system was built in this country was to patrol, apprehend, and bring back slaves. The police departments are all individually run by their own, you know, mayor, city, or whatever. There's no cohesion Mm -hmm. across the country in that regard. You have deeply embedded racists that are a part of the police department. Mm -hmm. And understand, people, that you can know a lot of great police officers. And I'm not dogging on the police Mm -hmm. force. I'm not labeling them all bad. And I know there are a ton of amazing police officers out there. But I know that they're also working in a destructive system. And that's what has to be changed. Because as long as you look at it as, I'm not going to change their mind, but instead I'm going to change the consequences, you're still creating a way to allow that behavior to exist. Because it's been proven, as we've said time and time again, police reform doesn't work. We're not at this place in 2020 because this is the first time that we're seeing police brutality. The police yeah. brutality is not an isolated event. Yeah. It is a systemic problem from the criminal justice system in general. How yeah. prisons are for profit and they are basically farms where they are basically farming people of color to do this labor and work at right. a reduced amount. Right. Where prison sentences are not equatable. Mm-hmm. Where someone of a color, darker skin will do the same crime as someone who is white and you can look and trace the numbers and the white offenders get off easier Mm -hmm. and the black offenders get the book thrown at them. You have black man who gets beat and killed for having a turn signal out is why he initially got pulled over. And you have a white guy go in and massacre a black church and he gets taken to McDonald's before he gets to the prison. So that's why there's this anger within Mm -hmm. the black community of saying, how many times does stuff have to happen before you listen? And so if you want to change it, if you want to really fix it, you abolish it. And that's scary. It scares people. Yeah, but I mean, maybe I wasn't good at articulating what I meant. I think systemic change is effect. That is changing effect. I'm talking about effect of people's thinking. In other yeah, words, and I'm saying, changing the system and maybe consequences is not the right word. I'm not saying leave the systems yeah, as they are and change the consequences. consequences. That means you're implying I, that you want the system yeah, to stay. No, no, no. And I, I'm saying the system has to be yeah, dismantled. I hear you. And like I said, maybe I wasn't articulate in explaining what I meant. Consequences, wrong word. But I'm talking about, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say it. I'm talking about like the effect and meaning that like don't allow people to who think that way to have any effect on society. And if that's abolishing those systems that are in place, we can't change the history of this country, but we can certainly change the way that we operate as people and do away with all of those systems that are built yeah. on. And that's, and that's what, what you what just I have to and directly I, say. Yeah. Because white America does not all, when they say change the system, some of them really do believe that you just need to enact a policy or a law. Or pick out the bad seeds. Or pick out the bad right. seeds. I they don't understand that the soil itself is rotten. Yeah, I get it. 
that is, so we have to just correct, like directly state it. And right. we can't dance around it anymore. When people say defund the police, it means you redirect that money. Right. Los Angeles itself has this billion dollar budget for the police and their budget is five to seven times bigger than the budget of the money they're putting in after school centers and education and health care. Yeah. So the three areas that if we spend money investing in those areas and we spend money creating programs and resources for children across this city to grow up to be the best productive citizens that they can be, we don't need the police. Right. But when you strip these communities of access and resources and you create these systems, then in truth, what happened to George Floyd is not proof of a broken system. Right. It's proof of a system that's working. That's what people of color have been saying for years in regards to this idea of change the system or the system itself is we're saying, oh, no, your system is working. And we're saying that system has been destroying us for generations. Right. And we don't need you to change it. We need you to break it. Right. We need you to dismantle it. And COVID and the world being shut in place mixed with not being able to run from the George Floyd video. Right. We've been, a lot of people in society have been able to run from the other videos. Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland. Mm -hmm. They've been able to run from that. Mm -hmm. Eric Garner. Mm -hmm. They've been able to either not watch it or just move on with their life and go to work. But the world was at home. Right. Everyone had to see this video. It was the perfect storm. It was the perfect so to speak. storm. Because people were tuned in because they had nothing else to tune into. Yeah. And that's what I mean by it hurts that it took that much for just the recognition. And now we have to realize that we've got a lot of work to do. Yep. Because what just happened is just the acknowledgement of the problem. That is the baseline start take. And this right? is shaking up a lot of people because they're like in their head, wait, I thought we had already been past this. What do you mean we're just getting to start it? And we're back here waving our hand and being like, no, 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 no. We've been telling you this for a long time. Now we're at the point where my mentor used to say, or does still say, consciousness is temporary. So now we're at the point that the country is aware and they're conscious. Yeah, you got their the attention, problem. but now what? And people are going to choose to put the blinders on or keep the blinders off. Who puts the blinders back on? Here's the thing. I don't think that it is, and, and you and I talked about this, uh, I don't know, one of our conversations that we've had about taking action and sometimes people feeling a little paralyzed of like, my little contribution, and what, what's that going to matter? But if you could just take all that attention and consciousness right now of what has happened, and if there's some way that that can be harnessed, even if some people put blinders on, I feel like it is such a, a monumental moment in time because there is, to me, so much more awareness and attention and ambition and motivation to really create real change. Again, not gloss it over, not make everybody feel better, change a law, make some reforms, literally monumental shift in this country, which, by the way, is redefining what this country was built upon. Throwing that away, really, not redefining it, taking what it was built upon, changing it from ground zero. I'm determined, even if it's like this tiny little podcast, 
that you and I have, that we have an engaged conversation, an ongoing discussion, whether it's about racism specifically, empowering people who feel a little bit lost in their way to embrace who they are and take that journey and create positivity out of it and move forward and and make the right changes, whether it's for themselves, for their family, their friends, or for their race or for this country. If this is one little step towards making this world this country, the, the country that it needs to be, then I am encouraged and motivated to do that. And I'm learning that it's those tiny little things that may paralyze you. But if everybody that feels a little paralyzed would do those tiny little things collectively, that's a big fucking change. I agree. The only challenge is, is that it's not enough. What, the podcast? I know that. And that's what people have to understand is... We got a long road ahead of us. Absolutely. Because we have a lot of change that has to be made. And that change is not going to happen in one month or two months. No, and it's not going to happen by talking about it. I get that. No, no, no. I get that. I'm not what I'm saying. That's you. But you have to remember, we have to talk about the collective reason why we're here. I'm not going to let you off the hook. Everyone that's listening to the podcast. I don't want you to let anybody off the hook. I don't want you to let me off the hook, by the way. You can't just say I'm going to do the one little thing. You have to do several things and you have to do them consistently. And those things are educate and research. You need to educate yourself and you cannot call and email and text and DM your black friend and say, what books should I read? And don't get me wrong, like at the, the core of my existence, there's a, there's a love there. Thank you for wanting to educate yourself. But also, I can't be all of my white friends research librarian. This yeah. isn't a, you know, a library that you walk into and, and you say, Hey, I'm doing a work on a report on anti-racism. Could you point me in the direction of what catalogs, where the books and the catalogs would be? No, I can't do that for you because I'm doing that. If I do that for you, I've also got 10 other white friends doing texting me saying the same thing. Right. And all this stuff that we're saying has already been out, been said so you just got to start listening. I was going to say, but nobody was listening. Now they're listening. Exactly. Okay. So and then you've got to take it upon yourself and start to go educate and research. And you have to participate and engage in community activism. And you have to call out your family members and you have to call out your friends. And you have to take a look at your work environment and look at if you're in a position of power to look at your, your work environment and say, are all these faces majority white? Is there not a lot of color here to 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 say uh, in your circles and in your life, am I also making space for others to be at this table or am I perpetuating a system? Because that's part of the challenge is that it's every open racist didn't put us in this position because for, I truly believe that the most of America does not side with that open racist. We know and we do not stand yeah, we're for just, that. We just, it's just the, but we're enablers. We don't realize that we enable the system right. that allows these things to perpetuate. Yeah. It's the same thing of Friends TV show creator saying, I didn't, her realizing or, or the creator realizing, I don't know who the creator is because uh, to be honest, I didn't watch Friends because it's too white. I was like, <laughs> there's no black people in this. I was like, I'm not watching this. Okay. So I, I've seen like maybe two episodes of Friends right. and I still won't watch it because at that time, there's no reason why there shouldn't have been people of color in that show. Right. But for that creator to now come out and say, I didn't do enough. Well, you think so? 
But the question is, but it now what are you going to do? this many years right. later and an eight minute and 46 second video and a man dying for you to realize that? You should have realized that back in the beginning. And you should have said in that room in the beginning, this is not right. And so those are the things that it has to take. And America, I think, has this, it's, it's almost like we have this idea that things get wrapped up and tied up in a pretty bow and then we get to move on they, they, and we sweep it no. under the rug. No, they do, but that's not going to happen. I don't too. want this to be swept no. under the rug. No. I mean, here's the thing. What I said about, you know, if everybody collectively would do, do just do that, that's a big fucking thing. But that's just a start. I want to be really clear about that. I'm not saying that's enough. Yeah. But enough. you have to realize that you have to remember and realize that we're done with the niceness. That's okay. Be done with the niceness. But you know, like we, we're not going to accept bare minimum anymore because the bare minimum has been what's been perpetuated. So we want radical change and radical change doesn't come by giving people off, letting people off the hook by saying you did that one little thing. We have to get rid of the idea of the one little thing. And we have to just do the big thing. We have to do the hard things. We have to do the little, the big, the medium. We got to do all the things. We got to do all the things. It, it, it's that's I would I'm gonna be honest and say like that's what we say to a kid or a student who we're trying to encourage who's just really struggling. Mm-hmm. And you say it's okay. You did one little thing today. You got better today. But that's okay because we know that that kid has years to grow and develop. Mm-hmm. And we want that. We are years behind in our development as a society. So no, I don't accept the little things. I need radical change. I need the hard stuff. I need the uncomfortability. I need the pain. All of those things that are now, people are now feeling, we need you to feel those things because it's long overdue to break the system. And if you perpetuate the one little thing, then what's going to happen is we're going to pass down the one little thing and we're going to be in the same position with a different black body who was murdered and it's recorded. And we realize that we still have a problem with a racist criminal justice system. I hear you and I agree with you, but I will take the little things from some people. I'd rather take that than nothing. Wouldn't you rather have at least something over nothing? I mean, I get it. It can be a cop out for people to not do as much as they should. And many people are not doing enough. They are doing the bare minimum. They are only doing the little things. And that's what has to end. But I also think that we have to be careful in the process and understand that this is new to a lot of people. You know, it may not be what you want to hear. And it can't be an excuse. But the truth is that a lot of people didn't know what they didn't know. But now we all know the perfect store has hit. People were at home. They were tuned in. They were in a more sensitive mode. They were on high alert. So yes, we all now know. We all need to step it up. We all need to do more. Do as much as you can do. But for those that are just getting started by doing the little things, I think that we have to just be a little bit cautious about disempowering them by immediately telling them it's not enough. I think there needs to be some level of acknowledgement combined with the message that it's not enough and that we want them to do more. What happens when they just say, fuck it, I'm not going to do anything. If you don't appreciate my efforts, then what's the point? I mean, that's just what some people will say. So I just want to find the right balance in messaging motivation. 
I know you want more than the little things, but for those that get started and do the little things, let's keep them doing more. And if I can motivate and encourage them to keep going and get to the bigger things as a white person, that's my job. You don't have to accept that. You want more. But let people like myself who can maybe get to those people who think that that's enough. Let me talk to them. Let me do that work and bring them into a place where they will do more. Right. And that's what needs to happen. And that's what needs to happen. So I get you you and I feel you and you know, I love you more than anything. But like there's a place where I can help that part of it. But you're like, I don't want to fucking talk to y'all people no more. Like I am done with this. What I'm saying isn't anything new from the people who came before me. Right. And it is true, unfortunately, whether white people know it or subconsciously they're not aware when it comes to racism in America. They will hear it more and listen more openly from another white person. And that is why I say go and do that work Mm -hmm. because if they were going to listen from me and other black people. If it was a long time ago. Exactly. We wouldn't be in this conversation. <laughs> we wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't in, be having this 2020. Wow. It's the same thing when we say to men, you have to call out sexism in your friends group to your other men friends. Mm-hmm. You cannot expect sexism to be eradicated if only women are always calling it out. Because guess what they're going to do? And this is probably the same thing that will happen when the race conversation. They'll be polite. They'll hear you. Or they won't. Or they won't. Or they'll, or, or, they'll, or they'll, they'll, they'll hear you, you, but they won't listen. Or they'll try to mansplain Or whatever. It. But they might be polite and hear you out and agree and say, I'm, I'm with you. It won't I'm with them you. to make change. But they'll turn right around and, and roll it. their eyes. <laughs> but when another guy right. in their circle yeah. checks them and says, hey, dude, don't speak cool. to women like that. That's yeah. not cool. Yeah. Then they're going to say, oh, uh, uh, I mean, you yeah. know, I just, Oh, but, yeah. If I say it, they're going to turn around to their friends and be like, oh, fucking bitch. Exactly. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm a fucking bitch, but that's okay. Well, I am too. <laughs> we have to be. <laughs> I'm going to make it work for me. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, but you want to hear more, please subscribe. Come back. And if there's something in life that's bothering you and it's got you feeling misplaced and you want to talk about it, then reach out to us because we definitely want to hear. Yeah, get in touch. Our website is misplacedlife.com. Check us out. Or you can just slide into our DMs. Did you just say slide into our DMs? Yeah, that's what you do on Instagram when you want to get to notes. Oh my God, you're such a millennial. Yes, Anyway, yes. Okay, people. Slide into our DMs at Insta. Misplaced.life. Nerd. Boomer. <laughs> Freak. Yeah, well, depends on the night. <laughs> <laughs>